Southerners have long created the storylines that shape the nation, and in some ways the world. We have planted the seeds that spark global movements. As goes the South, so goes the nation. Never in our lifetime has that been more true. Whether it's fighting for racial justice, ending health disparities, fighting for voting rights by organizing people around common goals, these issues, and the Southerners leading the charge over them, are going to set the tempo for the 2020 elections. This season of The Reckon Interview, we're digging into the stories and people beyond the polls and partisanship. We're speaking with the community leaders and fresh young voices doing the work of building the future South, on the ground and out of the spotlight. If you're looking for another political podcast to handicap the horse race, there are plenty of them out there. But we want you to join us as we explore the Southern issues, trends, and movements that matter most. And hopefully learn how to plant our own seeds of change. So subscribe to The Reckon Interview wherever you get your podcasts. For AL.com, I'm Ben Flanagan. This is Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. We keep over and over again trying to skip to the end, whether it's reopening the economy or reopening schools or bringing back athletics and skipping over the the steps it takes to get there. And that's why we're, we're failing so bad right now. And we're just having to learn these lessons the hard way. Today we hear from AL.com columnist Kyle Whitmire, an award-winning writer keeping tabs on statewide issues, chiefly the government's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. Kyle certainly calls it like he sees it. He's definitely hard on Alabama at times, critical of elected officials embroiled in scandal, or when he senses they aren't rising to the occasion in a crisis like this one. But he's also first to pat his state on the back when there are encouraging signs, even the elected officials he may have once chided. I've spoken to him a couple of times here already, but today I'm interested in looking inward when it comes to the people of Alabama and our collective effort to contain coronavirus and our defiance to play a role in moving the state out from under this dark cloud of COVID. Things looked okay in May. The curve was flattening as we made our way into June, but July saw vicious spikes that cast our state into worse scenarios than we had previously known breaking all the wrong records as it related to daily case counts and deaths. Then came Governor Ivey's mask ordinance, which seems to have helped, with Alabama's counts dwindling ever so slightly. But why has it taken this long? Why do we crowd bars, restaurants, and private parties, and refuse to wear masks, even when the state tells us to, and we've known for months now that it can only help? We joke about football as religion down here, But we all know how important that game is to us, and we won't even do what we're supposed to do so we can have that, the thing that some Alabamians hold nearest to their hearts. I spoke to Kyle about Alabama's failure to contain COVID-19 and what that says about us, the people tasked with playing vital roles in keeping each other safe and getting rid of this awful virus. And I spoke to him about what's encouraging about his home state. So, Kyle, I covered bid day at the University of Alabama on Sunday where participants and family members, they wore masks for the most part, but many didn't. And there wasn't a lot of social distancing. And, of course, on that same day, yesterday, just down the street, we saw photos of crowded lines outside a popular bar where, again, many people were not wearing masks. And we stereotype college kids as naive 
young people who won't follow the rules, but we shouldn't shift all the blame on them, I guess. So UA's entire enrollment wasn't standing in that line, right? But what do these instances in Tuscaloosa and others that you've seen in the last few months, and especially over the last month, what do they tell you about how seriously Alabama is taking this in mid-August? Well, I mean, the... (laughs) I mean, the problem with this virus from the beginning has been that to really beat it back down into the ground, you've got to get everybody singing from the same sheet of music. Yeah, that that was not the entire campus that we saw outside those bars on the Strip this week. What it was was a, you know, a large enough sample of, of the student population that, that we can know that not everybody is taking this seriously. It's not just in those bars. It's it's in off-campus housing. It's, you know, parties that are happening after dark. You know, we know those things are, are, are going on right now because, you know, Mayor Walt Maddox has said that, you know, his police department, his fire department are, 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 are really stressed right now trying to trying to shut them all down. And it's not just happening in Tuscaloosa. It's happening in Auburn. It's happening in other campuses, both in Alabama and outside of Alabama. So it's, it's discouraging, but it, it's not all that dissimilar from, you know, what we've seen with, with people who've refused to wear masks, what we've seen against with people who've refused to socially distance and, you know, unfortunately, it just takes enough of those folks to get together in one place and they can spread this disease. Yeah, well, speaking of getting together in one place, football is at the center of our universe down here in Alabama. And everybody wants football. And theoretically, you would think that we would do whatever it took to ensure that a season happens. But theoretically, we'd all stop eating fast food forever and live healthier lifestyles, too. But we can't help ourselves. If Alabama can't even do its part to save football, what does that say about us? Well, it's it's it is there's there's two important distinctions that I think that we have lost in all this. And you just said one of them want. We want football. Now, if you listen to Tommy Tuberville and what he's been saying in the last week, he says Alabama needs football. You know, there is a difference. I have to teach this to my four year old between wants and needs. And I'm not saying that football is unimportant, but we have to prioritize. We have to set priorities. We have to make priorities. And I'm not as worried about the football program at UA right now. I think those students are, from what I've seen on social media, are taking it seriously. They are they are um, protecting themselves. The college is helping. Uh, the university is helping protect them. Uh, it's the rest of, of of the student body down there that that we really have to worry about right now. And ultimately, we have to worry about the mission of all of these universities, which is not to play football. Okay, <laughs> we need universities to function to educate young people and help turn out well-rounded adults into our our you know into civic life and in, into the workforce and. That mission cannot take a backseat to football, unfortunately. You know, going back to this sort of bigger question of how are we so bad at this? We have this problem that we can't distinguish easily between wants and needs. But the other thing that I keep saying is that we can't tell the difference between a goal and a plan. I think everybody shares most of the same goals, right? 
we want to reopen schools. We want to reopen the economy. We want to be able to enjoy football in the fall. Those are all goals, though. And, and not everybody in our leadership right now seems to understand the distinction between a goal, reopen schools, and a plan. All the things that you have to do and get into place and, and get set uh, and the steps you have to take to be able to attain that goal. And we keep over and over again trying to skip to the end, whether it's reopening the economy or reopening schools or bringing back athletics and skipping over the, the, the steps it takes to get there. And that's why we're, we're failing so bad right now. And we're just having to learn these lessons the hard way. Well, Kyle, you wrote a column recently noting that Alabama lags in a lot of national rankings, including objective measurements of quality of life. And you said that it's hard to explain why people here accept this. And you write, quote, being complacent in failure used to be an Alabama thing. Now it's becoming an American thing, too, in reference to the United States failure to contain coronavirus. Why are we so complacent when the stakes are this high? I think the problems just start to seem too big. I think it's it's not unlike dealing with a, a big problem like global warming. Right. You know, we, we keep being told that this is you know, individual responsibility, right, or personal responsibility. But no, it's it's going to take a global solution to fix this. And it's hard to see that solution in the future without leaders on a global stage. It doesn't have to be a global leader, but it has to be a united front across across the world to, to make this work. I mean, the other thing that I, I'm just at a loss at this. Look, I mean, we've been told from the beginning what it's going to take to get this under control before uh, a vaccine is available. Experts have said it, it comes down to you have to test, you have to trace, and you have to isolate. You have to do those three things. We have not had a national testing strategy. Contact tracing, as far as I can tell, isn't even a thing. And with the community spread we have right now, it would probably be pointless. And we can't, you know, isolate if we don't know who has it. The NBA this week comes out. It's revealed that the NBA has developed a test that is potentially cheap. It could be made with components that we have in abundance in this country. That, you know, if we deployed it, that, you know, people could take a COVID test on a weekly or even daily basis. That's incredibly encouraging to me, except that I just find it hard to believe. <laughs> I'm just dumbstruck that our government couldn't get there first. I mean, M the NBA has a lot of money at, this, at its disposal, but it pales into comparison to what the United States government has at its disposal. And again, I think it, it's just we get annoyed at the sort of boring, tedious, really daunting work that has to be done before, you know, we can break free from this thing. So we've just said, you know, we'll suck up the losses and maybe sacrifice some old people and skip to the fun part. And it just, it just doesn't work that way. Kyle, I know that you're a proud Alabamian, and I know that 
what you do in terms of putting the microscope on your state, calling it out when it needs to be called out, praising it when it needs to be praised. I think that is really healthy. I've always thought that being able to identify those things about yourself and about where you come from. I'm not sure what it does for my blood pressure. Go ahead. <laughs> well, <laughs> I just wonder, <laughs> have you felt disappointed at all? I mean, like going back to that column you wrote, I mean, this is a national situation, but in terms of us, in terms of Alabama and the performance that the state has had so far in trying to contain this, does anything about it disappoint you? Well, the parallel I used in the column was, you know, looking at our performance in, in education standards in K through 12 education. And you look at our performance on test scores. And the only time I think Robert Bentley, maybe not the only time, I, sh- I shouldn't be too harsh on him. I was going to say the only time he ever told the truth. But, you know, one of the biggest truths he ever told was, you know, does education, you know, he, he said our education system in Alabama sucks. And a lot of people took offense to that, except that, you know, we do perform badly on nationalized tests. And there's not any good explanation for that, except that we don't demand better of ourselves. We don't believe in big answers to big problems anymore. When our national, when our our performance on math test scores showed us 50 in 52nd place, and there are only 50 states in the country. And, you know, only Puerto Rico was behind us and they'd just been hit by two category four, five hurricanes. You know, that should have been job number one to fix that. You know, every civic leader, every elected leader should have said, we're going to do something about this. And that sort of unity, that sort of, you know, sort of shared vision and effort that we saw Frankly, and I'm not sure that we've seen it uh, so well since World War II, but we need a World War II warlike effort to beat this thing. And and we're just not doing it right now. Instead, we're trying to make excuses for ourselves and pretend that the problem isn't even real. Well, finally, Kyle, on the other side of that coin, what's encouraging you about your state right now? We know that the data has been a little wonky as of late, and we've gotten some explanation for that. But the latest numbers today's show the fewest daily cases since June. So what does this tell you about Alabama? Are are we seeing glimmers that we may finally get this? So what makes me feel optimistic? This is totally anecdotal, but one of the barometers I use is when I go to the grocery store, how many people do I see there wearing masks? When I would go to the grocery store in late June, early July, maybe half were wearing masks. When I go there today, it's rare that I see anyone without one. Back in you know late June, early July, I'd go into restaurants and not only would the patrons not be wearing masks, but the, the staff wouldn't be either. Now a lot of those establishments have, have buttoned up and are, are taking things seriously again. Uh, I, think we got, I think we got scared when we saw those numbers spike. And I think uh, Governor Ivey's mask order, I don't know that it alone is responsible for the turnaround, but I think it certainly contributed to it. And I think that a lot of people out there are, are finally taking this thing seriously and doing their part. And that and that's helping. And the best thing that we can see right now, best thing that, the thing that we need most is a positive feedback loop. And, you know, mask usage is is a cheap and easy tool to help beat this thing back. 
Kyle Whitmire, thank you so much. Thanks, Ben. If you or anyone you know is affected by coronavirus and want to share your story, please email bflanagan at al.com. That's B-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N at al.com. And for all of our coverage on the outbreak and how it continues to impact Alabama, visit al.com slash coronavirus. If you like the show, please rate us and write a review. Thanks for listening.